0: Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Mastering Agility, a podcast series with and for inspiring agilists, bringing you the best of the business. This podcast series is brought to you by agilitymasters.com, providing you with all the agile coaches and scrum masters you need. Go to the website, the new website of this podcast, masteringagility.org, for all the information about this podcast, guests, playlists, giveaways, you name it, even come in contact with us. Now, in this week's episode, we have Andy Hiles, professional Scrum trainer for Scrum.org, to talk about his new book, Applying Scrum with Kanban. And he even has a giveaway for us. Listen to our episode and find out how you can win this new masterpiece of a book. Andy Hiles, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being here and congrats on the book. No
1: thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me it's it's uh it's my first interview since writing the
0: book. <laughs> I feel
1: honored uh, no, it's lovely. thank you. yeah no uh, all good uh, good weekend um, uh, just trying to get my head back into the the Monday. It's
0: just Monday all over again how is it, how does it feel now that it's finally accomplished? I can imagine that it takes quite a bit of work to get this to, to this point, and now you're here.
1: Yeah, great question. Um I keep saying to people so yeah, I keep saying to people getting the book across the line was way harder than writing it. <laughs> and and that is given that um I had a very good friend of mine, Steve Traps, who I train who's a who's a professional scrum trainer with Scrum.org. We train pretty much every class together now for the last few years since the pandemic uh and, and even before we were we were co-training. And um, he was—he uh, he had the the poor job. I keep saying a poor Steve, poor job. But he had the job of reading every kind of iteration and commenting on, uh, you know, could this be worded differently? Are you sure you want that there? Full stops and stuff. So, so he was kind of like my editor, um, which was uh, so, like so helpful. I—I uh, I mean, I, I barely got out of school with English. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, so getting it across the line was way harder. Um, uh, the the other thing I've been reflecting on kind of like, you know, based on your question is how does it feel? It's a, I don't, I'm not feeling any different at the moment. I I think I'm waiting. I'm genuinely waiting for the Amazon reviews. Like that's for me, that's the trust pilot of whether I've done a good job. Um, uh, I'm getting lots of positives, but I'm waiting for the kind of the Amazon. <laughs> for the mass. Yeah. Cause everyone likes an opinion. Right. And so um, I'm just waiting for the opinions to come along. That's
0: the... everyone likes a positive opinion.
1: Well, I, I like, I like positive opinions, uh, but everyone likes to have an opinion and, and that's their opinion. But, um, but yeah, so, so yeah, no, it's a good question. It's, um, uh it's it's been a lot of work it's a long time coming but it's but it's good I'm glad it's finally out there
0: doesn't it feel like a massive achievement weirdly weirdly no um uh
1: i think because uh i finished the book probably a month or two ago and it's kind of, there's a there's a a longer story to how we got to where we are with it but but uh i was meant to go a, a slightly more official route with a publisher and that didn't happen. So, um, it felt like a really big accomplishment about two months ago. <laughs> so, so, and then it was, uh, and then when that didn't go as well as I hoped, so it was then, okay, I've got to pick up the pieces and make this thing work. And uh, oh, go on to Fiverr. Uh, Fiverr's are just an amazing product, right? Fiverr is just a beautiful product. Uh, but going on to Fiverr and finding people who can um, uh, help format books, uh, you know, dedicate their life, it's awesome. This is like whatever you want out there. There's somebody on five who will do it for you. Oh,
0: that's pretty awesome. Now the book is called Applying Scrum with Kanban. Did you write this book in a Kanban way?
1: Oh, good question. No, not strictly, but kind of. I guess uh, it was. You know, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, didn't have a board, so no. <laughs> I didn't have whip limits, so no. I think. Um, It started out as a, so kind of, I I tell, I I kind of, I think I say this somewhere in in the blurb bit, but uh, I was lucky enough. Oh, it's in the introduction. I was lucky enough to be one of the first few trainers of the professional Scrum with Kanban course from Scrum.org. And um, uh, I mean, it's so when that came out a few years ago, so it must be two or three years ago that came out, I was so, so excited about the course, having done it, um, Dan Vacanti um, was teaching it, uh, kind of the course, uh, the, the trainer-trainer the one, and I, I ended up hosting it. It was kind of like a big event, so it was a really big deal for me. Got to have uh, uh, Dan Vacanti uh, you know, teach the course. Anyway, so, so since then, I just got super excited, right? So it, it was all the stuff, uh, and this is the thing, right? So Scrum Masters, uh, people doing Scrum, software development teams, uh, you know, scrum teams, anybody's been doing software development will, will have at some point done some Kanbani stuff, right? But they haven't applied it in totality. So you might have limited whip. You might have put those funny little dots on the tickets, but not really what <laughs> That's like the stories in the book where you've got like, we, yeah, I think there's a, there's a point, uh, which I think there's, um, it might be the, the product owner called Scott. Uh, 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 no, product owner Steve, one of the developers called Scott and, uh, I think he he mentions oh I, I used to put dots on tickets but not really know why, and so so some of the little things in there were things that I used to do right. It's like uh, I, I I'd heard once it was good to put dots on tickets but I didn't really know what didn't really know what to do with it right you know and it, it's it's um it's all those little things so. You know, people out there listening, Scrum Masters, any anybody, you know, building software will have done some Kanbani stuff. Yeah, certainly, the board level, and it's just like a combination. It's kind of just putting that wrapper around it um, was the whole kind of purpose of the book. Uh, so yeah, it started out small and then grew to. Well, it's not massive. It's it's a couple hundred pages, but it's it's significant. It's enough. fairly sized. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. Again, this was. If I go back to the intention. Um, Uh, The the first intention was probably about like an eight pager or something. (laughs) It was kind of I really wanted something. The whole point of it was to be practical. The whole point of it was to tell a story, regardless of what that story was, but to be practical about it and say, do this, this is good. Do this, this is good. Do this, this is good. Right, really, really simple, plain language. Um, I think the hardest thing was trying to keep a lid on all the what ifs. Right, uh, you know uh, the 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 nuance questions. Oh, what if you know the um, uh, the team can't break down work, and what if what if the you know they they don't uh, uh, don't you know manage whip etc. I mean, we we tackle that as a subject, but uh, but there are lots of what ifs you could tackle with this subject. The the majority of the intention was to keep it positive, right? I keep it light, keep it positive. Tell the story that. Uh, not kind of from a make-believe perspective, but just tell a story about how you actually practically go and take Scrum and the 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 uh, Kanban Guide for Scrum Teams from Scrum.org and how you go and apply that and what does that look like? What do you need to pay attention to? Right. And that's that's kind of how it all came together.
0: Now you just mentioned this is the point of the book. The, that was the point of the book. Now I have this open in the screen next to me and it says Applying Scrum with Kanban and just below a pointless book.
1: <laughs> yeah do you know what the the uh the I, I won't i i won't so the original title the original title wasn't applying scrum the kanban and um for various reasons it got changed um but the pointless book so i put out on linkedin actually steve this was steve traps and i we were um uh we were just kind of talking one day and i said look let's two minutes right let's just find all the, the most stupid names for books you could think like along this subject right because I was really struggling I can't remember some of the early titles they were terrible absolutely terrible titles and uh, anyway so we, we were just playing with titles anyway so one of the things I think Steve came up with was a pointless book and um, uh, yeah again the publisher wouldn't take that they wanted to other things so so when it became my back to my book and my my self-publishing it was like you know what i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with the the pointless book um (laughs) you know and i I think probably your next question is why pointless and it's um uh how would you guess yeah yeah i knew where it's going you know so so trying to tackle the story point question right that and that's you know so this is all around it's not a pointless book, but it's, uh, funny enough, I don't think there's a page in there which doesn't mention story points in one way, but, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the majority of the book is saying, look, this technique was created. So if, I'm hoping that the majority of your listeners will probably understand what story points were and where they came from. Uh, in the book, I kind of dig back into the history of it a little bit, but, um, it's, it was taking that as a concept and saying, look, as it was intended this kind of arbitrary method for understanding size or uh, well the original intention was a padded they were they were basically under under pressure from project managers and they realized what was taking 3 days was actually 9 so they created this kind of factor, and then that's where the story point came. Right? So that's kind of how it all formed. So unfortunately, because maths are easy, and this is the kind of where the kind of Dan work, certainly in the, the um, actual agile metrics and applying that to uh, forecasting, um, people have used maths now to predict the future because number, everyone loves a number and, every, uh, um, and numbers work, right? It's quite easy. Um so one of the one of the things I challenge in there is, uh, and it's only one line, and I should have made a bigger deal about this, but um, would you do the same with T-shirt sizes? Right? Would you exponentially? You can't, right? You can't say two smalls are a medium. You know, where do you draw oh. the line? Is it three smalls? <laughs> you know, so so that's where the pointless book side comes in. It's it's challenging uh, forecasting and predictability that people are using f- through you know story points, which.
0: It's kind of pointless. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's the thing, isn't it? Um, I, you have a really good point with the, the exponential size of t-shirt uh, the t-shirt sizes, but apparently we still are limiting ourselves to using these numbers as some sort of a forecasting tool. We want to feel in control. Uh, we cannot cope with not feeling that having that sense of we're in control. We know what to expect. This is exactly how it's going to happen. And that's nine out of 10 times not going to happen. How does a Kanban help with that dealing with the uncertainty? Uh,
1: so I guess the, the, what, one of the answers, one of the answers is talking about risk, right? When it, so um, project management, is all about risk, right? It's all about risk management. Um, but the trouble is the moment you start forecasting the future, risk management, when you start to apply numbers, goes away. Right? And so when you start to look at metrics you can gather, so empirical data that you can gather around Kanban, such as things like cycle time and, and then generating your SLE, um, you can start to understand patterns. Right? Sort of like, this is the way my brain works, right? So it's it's looking at patterns of of empirical data and starting to say, okay, is that normal? Is that not normal? What are the patterns we're seeing? Now you can then go kind of take that a little bit further and start saying, okay, so if we're going to go forward with how we're working at the moment, um, uh, the number of people in the team, etc., etc., what risk are we pl- placing on the assumptions about forecasting into the future? Now in the book we talk about Monte Carlo simulations and a kind of advanced modeling in that. If you take kind of all the advanced modeling stuff out, that's really what we're talking about. We're saying we, don't, we can't predict the future, but we, we have a bunch of assumptions, but we know assumptions are never good, right? So how much risk are you willing to bet on our assumptions being correct or not? Um, so using, some of the, using the Kanban metrics, we can start to add uh, a, a, a better conversation about risk management. And then the other side is looking at the way visualization and actively managing the work items in progress, which is just like the active management bit is just so crucial, right? You can have a board, but if you're not doing anything with it, it's just, again, it's pointless, right? So so the active management of the work is so important and, and there is an element of control in that there's there's a there's an element of discipline so for the team it's not about overloading yourself
0: and but there so the- seems to be this idea as well that we are really focused on actually doing the work creating the product creating that value but maintaining the board and keeping our artifacts transparent is a lot harder in practice than we actually anticipate
1: oh yeah yeah absolutely and and um The, the, I I double check this and this is the, so I'm going to have delivered, I've delivered a few uh, uh, Scrum with Kanban courses uh, since kind of, you know, the book's been in formation and going out there. And, you know, when I was kind of looking to get it on Amazon, I was kind of, did I say the right words? You know, I've been so worried about saying the right words. But one of the, one of the, again, one of the probably more subtle lines in the book is talking about done. And if I could redo parts of the book, I would probably make, whole chapter on done Uh, I you know I talk about done and the importance of done but there are some subtleties in the book where uh, uh, specifically talking around when you're looking at empirical data if you're not looking at data that is if you're you're counting data that is not done um, you're not helping yourself I'm trying not to double negative that right basically saying if you're not done it's not good (laughs) right so done is incredibly important regardless of what we're doing Um, because you're again if you're looking at that kind of forecasting even if you're kind of uh, just trying to actively manage the work if you haven't really got a true sense of what it takes to achieve done um, you're going to really struggle you know and this is why it's kind of you know that the looking at the workflow the active management of work items in progress looking at why done is so important, you know, plus the metrics. This is kind of, again, bringing it all together, um, it, you know, it, it is so important. And the hardest thing I think is um, enthusing the team to take ownership for this. Right? It's not, it's not a me thing. It's not a you thing. It's not a scrum master thing. Um, it. I think, again, if I go back to the kind of the purpose of the book, I wanted anybody on any Scrum team to be able to pick up the book and take control. You know, I didn't write it for Scrum Masters. It was just kind of easy having a Scrum Master in control, but I wanted anybody, you know, the the story, the story actually, it's just Katie's brain, but the team take control in the book. And that's what I want. You know, I want teams to take more control
0: and that's how it's supposed to be. I mean scrum teams are self-managing and therefore scrum masters shouldn't take control. A product owner shouldn't take control or a specific developer shouldn't take control. It's the entire team who's self-managing. You mentioned Katie. Talk to us about Katie.
1: Uh Katie, um do you know what? I don't know. I don't know uh I've okay, so I've worked with some fantastic uh, and i am going to really I got to really annoy people I work with. But the the best scrum masters I have worked with have tended to be women right I have worked with some fantastic absolutely amazing female scrum masters and uh, I'll give a shout out to Gemma Honor particularly uh, from from where I'm from Bristol Um, just as a fantastic scrum master somebody somebody I really really uh, really respect so um, uh, and I just kind of I wanted to tell a tale about somebody Um, who was uh, an experienced Scrum Master, uh, really passionate about what they do, which is kind of making their team's lives better, right? So, you know, when the organization is horribly sucky around you, like trying to shield it, trying to just put, you know, just kind of like back that way. Yep, yep, okay, I understand. And trying to then figure out how to turn a team from you know uh, maybe maybe struggling right not making any assumptions but you know or or could do better right so it's just performance enhancing right and um so so Katie came along yeah i don't know where Katie came from i, I it must have been a, a kind of you know we i i guess i just wanted to write a, a position that wasn't me was <laughs> was further from me um but uh yeah it, but, but i had to tell a story and we needed some people um and i think that's just kind of where it all came from really
0: talk us through what katie is doing <laughs> um i mean she she has a really big part in this book together with the team just talk to us about the things that they're going through Yeah, tie that back to your practice uh, practical experience
1: yeah read it i mean uh, so uh f- you know for those who are listening go read the introduction and um uh, a few people who've reviewed the book said, "Oh, it's a little bit cheesy." The you know the the book and some of the examples, uh, and I I will I will say it again: this, so the the examples in the book pretty much happened right. So the right at the start, I talk about a um, somewhere I used to work, uh, I won't name it, and uh, every week they used to send an email: fill in your project time, and it was the most ridiculous thing. You'd have to split your time between project project code. Like, like it mattered um, because it didn't. And so, you know, all that just stupid stuff going on and then always when, um, and there's a photo somewhere, uh, I think it might be on my LinkedIn profile of me standing in front of a board in a, um, uh, I was doing a talk uh, at a meetup and, and I've just got this big, hand-drawn slide which just says when you know this is what 10 plus years ago and I, I was just trying to answer that question right when will it be done because that's what everyone wants to know so 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 the book it kind of starts at that position where you're you, and people recognize this right you've got an organization which is under pressure to make money to deliver products to make changes to you know enhance the world you know whatever it is but you've got pressure to deliver and kind of you know what we were saying earlier is uh the, the kind of the, the uh the forecasting the the you know we need to have you know a date in the a light in the sand a date in the future we need to have that right and it's that kind of level of certainty that people want so the team Katie is a scrum master um uh he's been doing scrum for however many years you know I've put experience but you know she's been doing scrum a long time and uh she's got a management team which uh again may or may not have been real um uh definitely no no real names but but may not have, may or may not have happened but they they're frustrated right they're frustrated slash shouty um and they don't know the answer either right so they, so and this is the thing right so they want you to say the answer because they don't Right? And they need to go and tell somebody else. Anyway, so they're in that position. And um, Katie, uh, much <laughs> much like me, goes to a supermarket one day. Because um, uh, I'm sure you've done it, right? You, you, the, you'll go. I mean, I, when I started looking into flow many, many, many years ago, I would walk into a Starbucks and go, "Why is there a big queue? Hang on. You know, there must be a bottleneck <laughs> in the queue, right? There must be a reason the thing is queuing." um
0: i found uh, out by the way that the starbucks and starbucks reason for cues are the unpronounceable names of all the the cappuccinos they
1: offer (laughs) so so yeah so the start you know and the thing is it's why don't they just buy more coffee machines isn't it you know etc etc so so it's just trying to balance all those kind of weird thoughts and so um so, Katie just goes on this journey of self-discovery to some degree. I mean, it's kind of a little bit uh, Phoenix project The Goal. If you've read The Goal, Eli Goldrat, you know, um, the, you have a a bit of help along the way. Everyone needs help. Um Uh, And so Katie um, uh, meets a a coach called Charlie um, and together with her partner, Ethan, um, they help her kind of facilitate the team uh, in a change towards using more Kanban techniques with scrum. Um, And that's kind of the basis of the story. But yeah, the supermarket is where it starts.
0: Now, there seem to be... Two facts, two factions, if you will, um, out there pro scrum, pro Kanban. They're saying we can be combined. We're completely different. We're super unique. Each one of us scrum with Kanban though, is combining both. How do you feel about that split in those two factions? Uh, (laughs)
1: it's I, <laughs> a really interesting question yeah, right uh, i think <laughs> yeah, if you if you really want to be if you really want to say uh if you really uh, yeah if you really want to ignore any good techniques in forecasting uh workflow management flow um uh, kind of visualizing your definition of done, you know, uh, ticket management, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you want to ignore all of that stuff, limiting whip and all those good things, uh, just go and do Scrum. But Scrum's not going to answer all your questions, right? And you're probably going to do them anyway, <laughs> right? And and so for the Kanban people, like the the. Again, uh, yeah. If you if you really want to kind of just sit on that Kanban thing over there, that's cool, right? I've got no problem. Right, let's let's be clear. Got no problem. If you like one and don't like the other, fine. You know, just go and do that. But my argument is that um so I call Scrum a conversation framework. So we'll meet every day for a conversation, meet once a month at least with the team and the stakeholders to have a conversation in you know different terms, right, for different purposes. You know, Cameron obviously doesn't say do anything, you know, from a from an event type thing, doesn't say when to meet, who to meet, how to meet, doesn't have roles and have all of those kind of things. But you probably will meet on a daily basis because that's kind of good practice. I, it's not, it's not, I don't know, it's best practice or it's, you know, it's like, but it's not bad. Let, let's just start, okay, for the rest of this podcast, I'm going to say it's not bad practice, right? So, so, you know, there's no harm in meeting. Once a month with your stakeholders to make sure you're doing the right thing. Kanban doesn't state you do, right? Scrum obviously does. But why would you ignore that as an opportunity for feedback? Right? So, I so I, a good question. I, I, I like your question, but I, I just kind of, I just don't buy into the, I just don't buy into one versus another. I'm very much a, if it works for you, do the right thing. All right? If you're going to do Scrum, do Scrum. Because Scrum has its rules, know, yeah, As as Gunther van Henn describes it, the uh, the rules for the game Scrum has those. So you need uh, the accountabilities and you need the events because they form that framework, and that's cool. So go and do that. And if you're not going to do all of it, don't call it Scrum, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know, be pragmatic, do the right thing, but. You know, don't be surprised if you're not going to, if you don't do Scrum properly, don't be surprised that it's not going to work for you, right? Because no. it's not Scrum.
0: A split in that discussion always makes it feel very prone to extremism, in my in my humble opinion. Um, Scrum also says, the Scrum guide says, making things, making relative efficacy of management and such in the broader environment painfully transparent. Mm. That makes it also very easy to ditch Scrum. Now, Kanban makes it even more visually or, yeah, v- visually transparent what's going on. For instance, with a community flow diagram. Do you think that's why some people don't like it? Because it makes it even more painful and you just can't dodge it.
1: Uh, no, I don't think. I think. Um, uh, so, I, I, so the 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 cumulative flow diagrams are just ways of they form a tool for a conversation. Um, you know, are we doing the right thing? Are we doing the right thing, right? You know, in the, in the right way. Um, the biggest change in behaviour I've seen, certainly in the last couple of years, so since we've all been remote, because right, you, you imagine there were probably hundreds of teams out there who had physical boards and they suddenly had to go. To Jira, Ooh. right? So, so um you know whether they went to Jira or not. Some of the work I've been doing um was transferring backlogs of work from wherever they were. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, other tools are available. That's the right thing to say, isn't it? You know, other tools are available. Well and all those kind of yeah, thank you. But but transferring them from kind of like physical boards to out of those and actually onto um, a more whiteboardy tools like Mural, Mural. And actually formulating backlogs on there and um, also looking at workflows. So looking at program workflows and team workflows, creating canvases that show the totality of the challenge that's in front of them, that has been probably the the biggest kind of switch for uh, enlightening, you know, the kind of opening up the, the eyes to, yeah that totality of the amount of effort and work they've got in front of themselves um so yeah i think yeah i i think you can always take you can always take a negative view on everything um but i think ignoring the positivity that these things bring you know if it's going to cause you you know if you want to be an organisation that wants to hide or hide all the truth away um that's I'm probably not the right person to come and work with you, right? Because cause, <laughs> uh, a I'll probably find it out and tell you anyway, and b I'll probably make it transparent <laughs> anyway, much like I've done in the past. Right? I've walked into organisations that just put work on the wall, right?
0: Just fully so. Uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Right? Why Why is it hidden away in a tool that? Yeah, let's yeah get get off. Just don't yeah. do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. No. We're, I think you had a really nice reference there about the mural mural board making things, creating that backlog, that visual backlog, which refers back to what you were saying earlier that Kanban and, and Scrum are conversation tools. And I do feel that Jira is being treated as, hey, we're going to cram in every single detail uh, that we possibly can. And then that shifts the focus from actually doing the work, adding the value to the comprehensive documentation that is less mm. important, um, according to, for instance, the Agile Manifesto. I think that's a really interesting given that you, that you just shared. Now we're gonna start with doing Kanban. We are already a Scrum team. How do you re- recommend us to approach this implementation?
1: Yeah. So uh, obviously read the book. Um, <laughs> but but you know I think. Um, the there's the uh, there's the myth that you have to um, start with where you are now, right? It could be that um, what you do now actually isn't very good anyway. So you may wish to start at a position where where would we like from a workflow definition, from a conversation definition, from a visualization point of view, where do, what do we want to look like? What do we want that workflow to look like? What could we include that we're not including at the moment? So, um, typically, it's let's open up a conversation about our workflow. What does that look like? Um, what activities are we performing? Where, you know, where are we seeing inefficiencies in our conversations and our feedback loops? What could we do about that? And that that should form a, a talk for a conversation about defining something that follows how work moves from sprint backlog. Let's let's throw Scrum in here for a minute. Sprint backlog all the way through to done. Right. Start there.
0: Sounds perfect. I think that's one of the hardest things to actually start with, and that's the same thing with Scrum. By the way, if you want to start, where do you start? People seem to be very, very much focused on creating the right circumstances. What are what are the actual right uh, circumstances? I would say I would
1: say bonus tip. Right. So the other way of looking at it is start at done and work backwards. Right. So have that conversation about what done means, and then go right. What <laughs> what are all the things we need to do that we're not doing, and the people we need to involve in that activity? Right. So instead of looking forward, to, also just you know you can start done right. Work backwards towards that.
0: Oh, definitely the reverse engineer stuff. But it's the same with the vision. We want to go somewhere. The product goals start with those, and then see how you can work towards those. Yeah. Um. Do you think that Kanban or Scrum with Kanban is applicable in every single situation or every organizational type like scrum and and say for instance are being treated like the silver bullet the one size fits all you're going to solve all of our problems
1: Oh, oh! You're dropping the question there. Okay, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> just, gonna with dro- just yeah, going to drop that bomb. Uh, I'm not going to comment. I'm not going to comment on safe. Uh, so we're going to just move. We're going to. I'm going to avoid that landmine. Um, uh, do, I, do I? Do I? Do I? Do I think it's applicable everywhere? I don't know. And and this is the thing. Uh, I've yet to find a situation where visualization hasn't helped right so visualizing the visualizing and creating that definition workflow i've yet to find a situation where that hasn't helped like that is the that is the kind of the baseline even if a a, um definition workflow exists what about your upstream or what about your downstream right are you truly done um you know do i think people everyone needs to be scrum with Kanban? no because that's just stupid right so you know it's again being pragmatic. Tools will work for certain teams in certain contexts. You know, some people may find it will work. Some people may, may not. And, um, but no, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna say no, it's, it's absolutely for everybody and everybody needs to do this stuff. The one thing, and I think I, uh, I think I, again, I put this somewhere in the introduction. Whenever I teach a class and whenever, I, and even in the book, right? I always say, if you get one thing out of this class, you know, whatever that is, I'll have done my job because I'll have I'll have answered a question, inspired you, changed something that you're thinking about, given you food for thought, given you an idea, given you a tool, given you a technique, whatever that looks like. That is my job to do, kind of like as an educator. And um, so if people buy the book and read it and get one thing out of it, even if that's oh, we don't need to do that. <laughs> you know that was a pointless book. Um, but but uh, you know, even if they get one, th- you know, even if they go, oh, do you know what? We're not using, we're not using the Monte Carlo simulation to forecast multiple, you know, batches of items. You know, for future risk, right? We're not doing that. Uh, how do I do that? Right? That's my job done. You know, I'm I'm happy with that.
0: You just mentioned it would be stupid to treat that as just go blindly in there, basically. That does imply that you consider there are situations or contexts where you think this doesn't work. And that kind of refers to mm. the core of my question. where, What circumstances do you feel Kanban and Scrum would thrive best? For instance, Scrum is, uh, if you look at the Stacy matrix, it thrives in these complex domains. Those that apply with the same fact for Kanban, for instance, is is it easy to plot somewhere on the Stacy matrix?
1: So, so the answer to that is, is, it has absolutely nothing to do with work. Right, it's got nothing to do with the type of work. It's got nothing to do with with work in any shape or form. Okay, so let me let me rephrase that with like ninety percent of it has nothing to do with work. Um, the, the, uh, the 90% of the answer should be it's all to do with the people and the attitude of the organization. Right? And that is, that is, it's the hunger for change. Um, there's a story I tell in class, um, which remains nameless, but, um, the shortest contract I ever had, which was kind of earlier this year, um, where we started genuinely having a conversation about Tools, techniques, very Kanban. Uh, trying to help, the, they're already doing Scrum, perhaps not so well. Um, how could you? How could you leverage some of the Kanban um, metrics to help you understand and improve? Uh, that was treated very uh, indifferently. Uh, I'm trying to be very polite, uh, and um, uh, I was not treated very well. Right. So their their attitude and their want to learn to change to be better was just not there so i don't think it's about personally i don't think it's got anything to do with the work and i'll go back to i wish for teams of people to take either you know the content of my book or go and at least go and have a look at the kanban guide for scrum teams and go and say what is that telling us what challenges does it place in front of us? What could we perhaps take from this and do better with? You know, and that's the attitude part, and that's the behavior, and that's the people.
0: Awesome. I think that goes for a lot of the frameworks oh. out there. It's it's so prone to the behavior uh, rather than the execution of the framework yeah. itself. Yeah,
1: you know, blind blindly applying any tool and technique is not going to you're not going to do things very well, right? You know, you might. Uh, uh, I, I was talking about this the other day, and I can't remember why or what, or where it was, but it was it was the difference between learning learning a routine and understanding why you apply that routine. Yeah, two very different things, very subtly, but you can just kind of uh, I'm, try, I'm struggling to remember what in what context we were talking about it, but it was it was something you know a mechanical, simplistic mechanical approach to things. You can just go and do that. Right. but actually really truly understanding the purpose and why you're doing that is the important bit because that builds passion and that builds uh well it builds passion if it's you know passionate right <laughs> otherwise it's just boring um uh, but but you then start to work out okay is it boring is it serving us are we doing the right thing etc so so yeah I, it, it, for me you know, it's a tool for conversation. All of these techniques, the whole purpose of the manifesto, the Agile uh, manifesto for agile software development, as it is, should be called, um, uh, as per their website. Um, but, but that is just talking about behaviors. If you look down the whole list, just talking about behaviors, talking about attitude, talking about the way people behave and, uh, and the conversations they have.
0: Where do you feel then this obsession? with finding that silver bullet that's going to solve all of our problems is coming from because we do not seem to get away from this concept.
1: No. And, um, and I think this is, we as human beings, right? So we can, we can, you know, we can go super deep with this, but as human beings, you know, it's my belief that it's quite easy to look at. Um, uh, I'll go back to on that mechanical kind of, you know, concepts, quite easy to look at a mechanical process, a repeatable, predictable process and say, yep, that's going to happen the next time. Right. So it's that kind of, um, so in the book, it's the difference between deterministic and probabilistic thinking. Um, as human beings, it's quite easy to look at processes mechanically and just say, "Yep, yeah, that's repeatable. That's going to happen. Um, when things border into uncertainty and then add complexity to them we want to apply mechanical problem solving to things we can't control uh, yeah and i know uh, you know dan Vacanti talks about the weather a lot and it's a great analogy right because the weather the weather uh people, systems, <laughs> you know. The, the So in the UK, we have the Met Office, uh, the uh, Meteorological Office, uh, who basically do all our forecasting. I don't know what it's like in the Netherlands um, or what, what the name is, but, but we have that. And they have supercomputers, right? And they've got data going back for hundreds of years. I don't know. And they're constantly looking at the patterns of data to predict the future and looking at the way weather's shaping. But they're never 100%. And this is the thing still trying to apply maths, but looking at a percentage risk, they figured it out, right? They figured the best way of communicating it. What we do, software software development, and actually I've been coaching into business process change, which has been really cool. I've really enjoyed that this year. Um, Looking at trying to uh, have conversations about, uh you know will we get it done but with a percentage risk that we won't versus trying to go down that kind of again dogmatic mechanical because yeah I, I just I I think everyone loves a plan. A plans because plans exist we can attach ourselves to them. When you have uncertainty it's very hard for people to become comfortable with being uncomfortable
0: <laughs> yeah it is it's, it's kind of like being in the absolute pitch dark pitch yeah. black dark you don't know what's coming and you just have to find out by actually walking and yeah. just by turning even the slightest bit of light on it gives you something to plan with yeah and yeah, it is really it's almost scary if you don't have a plan
1: yeah but we, we are uh, you know software development you know 70s you know like professional software development 70s right we and- are Forty years, forty, fifty years, and we still um, believe a plan will will work. And in and uh, and you know, uh, I guess another question is, you know, do all plans fail? Do all plans work? You know, like some plans become true, some don't. There's yeah. there, <laughs> this is the percentage. You know, again, if you if you did some kind of uh, probabilistic uh, uh, probabilistic data analysis around plans that succeed and plans that don't, you would probably see a pattern there and you could probably go and say you know x percent of plans are you know, achievable and um oh i tell you what this was an interesting one so i was you've got a space shuttle behind you right yes uh, my lego so, space shuttle <laughs> so i was watching a uh it was on the bbc uk uh, uh, kind of you know national television channel and they had a uh, a special thing about um uh, sending nasa sending people to mars and um even nasa didn't know how humans would behave right they didn't know how humans would behave in uh, isolation for a long time and the and the most fascinating part of that so they didn't know how they behave but also they didn't know how different personality types would match so when you're formulating teams they were they were having to do a whole load of data analysis and studies and, and uh, again, psychological profiles and all those kind of things um, around how human beings of certain personality types interact and trying to formulate amazing teams. Now, if NASA can't formulate amazing teams, <laughs> what hope have the rest of us got? You know, and so when you when you think about the success, what makes all of this a success? Is it a really? Is it the tools? Is it techniques? Is it tools for conversation? And I'll just go back and just say, no, it's it's the attitude, it's the behaviors, it's the people. Then you apply the tools.
0: Yeah, and even indeed, like you said, if NASA is still in the dark with that, I mean, like you said, we're forty, we're fifty, and apparently we're still afraid of the dark. It's just a different type of dark.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely and and the kind of the, the whole lack of plan the whole lack of certainty is still a it's still a, uh, a kind of uh, what's the the crisis in our profession I think is one of the you kind know, terms I think I so that's a Ken Schwaber uh, technical debt um, quote I think
0: yeah and I love that quote by the way I <laughs> hey, what I really like by the way about your book before going to the closing part is that it's written in such a way it's like you're telling it to the reader uh, when they're sitting next to you in the pub. It's not that really theoretical. If this, then that kind of approach It's really the storytelling, the narrative behind it and really easy to pick up and just follow along. Um, and I really enjoy that. About Thank it. you.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And um, do you know what, if I, <laughs> so I'll take a little seat. I don't know how much time we've got, but, but um, so I wanted it to be conversational. I'm not, as you can probably tell, I'm not a, um, uh kind of straight down the uh, straight kind of i don't know straight laced you know i I'm a, I'm a creative my brain's always all over the place i'm always running at 150 miles an hour in my brain um if if uh so uh, i've got a copy like this is a draft copy of the book i was explaining before we started this that i still haven't got people are buying pe- amazon is sending people this book in like a day Right. I'm an author. I ordered my books last week. I, they're not coming for another week. It's ridiculous. So people are getting them. People are them quicker than me. Anyway, so so uh, let me find uh, somewhere in the kind of the whip uh, when we're looking at the. Um, so so what I what I've what I've tried to do. Oh, here we go. Here's one. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to find a picture. Uh, so I hand drew a lot of these pictures in here. I hand nice. drew, um, but when I say hand drew, that was with a mouse. <laughs> so, so uh, no, that's not one of them. Where are they? Yeah, oh, here we go. Drew. So So, so uh, oh, hang on, we got to get the focus. So this one here, I did in preview on a Mac. I mean, if you know when you when you kind of this is uh, looking at the aging uh, work in progress thing. So, so. If I had my way and if I was better at using like a trackpad and a mouse, I would have had far more pictures in there to make it more uh, conversational. You know, it would have been conversational plus, right? I'd have had pictures. I I originally, my my original brain for this was I wanted pictures of Katie with the team when, certainly when we're creating the definitional workflow. I would love to have been, had the kind of artistic skills to be able to create a picture of like this person called Katie and her team. You know, again, just to bring it to life a little bit more. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe version two, you know, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll try and get somebody to, to help with that and kind of, you know, expand it a little bit. Um, once, once somebody reviews it on Amazon anyway. <laughs>
0: so people can actually review your book, the actual book sooner than you can.
1: They can. It's quite ridiculous. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I've read, um, uh, obviously, I've read the PDFs several times, and and I was away on the weekend, and I took I took the draft book with me, and and I was noting a couple of mistakes, and uh, so in the the kind of cool thing in the background, I'm doing some little iteration updates. So I have done uh, I've done the last one, thankfully. Um, so so they're not major if you've already bought the book they're not major just it's just things that annoy me <laughs> and so so no it's uh uh it's um yeah i, I so i'm still waiting to see um so i created the, the new cover um uh for various reasons i created the cover and i still don't know what i'm colorblind i still haven't got a copy of the book or seen the final book cover co- color what it looks like in real <laughs> life you know it's it, it's silly it's it's silly
0: so you're a little scared of the dark as well
1: yes yeah, <laughs> yeah oh uh, yeah uh, i'm so fearful there's a kind of i've had people review it and people have been through it. And everyone is everyone who's been through it said it's a great book but
0: i feel so too man
1: I, I it's it's the it's the ultimate put yourself out there it's the i'm super i don't know critical of myself and so i've tried so hard to make this as good as it could be uh, you know and and i think that's that uh, you know i think passionate about it absolutely 100% 110% right so passionate about this book why it's good for people why they should buy it um yeah you know, i put a huge amount of effort into making it the best i could um so i hope there's not <laughs> there's no there's no glaring mistakes in there just it's just yeah it is what it is and i you know i hope people enjoy it
0: i reckon they do i'll include the link to amazon because you already mentioned a couple of times that you can buy it on amazon i'll include the links in the show Um uh, last question for you where can people find you where can people interact with you
1: uh yeah good question. Um uh, so LinkedIn is pretty much kind of where I do everything. Um I uh, I'm over 40 now so I don't do Instagram. <laughs> I don't do TikTok. <laughs> do you know what it was a couple of years ago somebody said TikTok to me and I said I have no idea what you're talking about. Um so uh LinkedIn is probably the best thing or you can obviously find me on scrum.org Um there are you can find me on YouTube. There, are, there I've done talks around Actually, one of my one of my most favourite talks recently, but it's an hour long, was with Nigel Furlow and Kanban Dan, um, uh, Dan Brown. Um, so, and we talked about uh, the role of a product owner within Kanban. Does it exist? And we got onto a whole load of other topics. Um, so that's one of my favourite ones. And, and I was talking about the product owner being a, a coach for the product. They're not, you know. I kind of actually, I would like to see them less product owner. I'd like to see them more kind of a coach but so so yeah linkedin is where you can absolutely find me
0: all right i'll include those links to people that can find you connect with you share their reviews speaking of linkedin we're going to do a little giveaway i'm going to post that on linkedin as well and you had a question for our listeners
1: yeah i was trying to remember what the question was so so i live in Bristol um in the uk um uh there is a famous artist that was born in bristol um what are is is their name what are they no what is their name <laughs> i was trying to think this is a cr- grammatically correct way of approaching that one so what's yes, the name so what of the, the
0: artist
1: yeah what's the name of the, the famous artist from bristol in the uk all
0: right i'll post that on linkedin i'll post it on domasteringagility.org website as well slash giveaways People who win will win a signed copy of your book. Absolutely. Awesome. Andy Hiles, thank you so much for being here. Hoping forward that you're going to have all the positive reviews that you can possibly get (laughs) and that you have a chance to include all the work that you want to include. Thank you very much again for being here.
1: No, thank you very much for inviting me. I've enjoyed this one. Me too, man. Talk to you soon. Cheers.
0: I would like to thank our guest and you, the listener, for joining us again in this episode of Mastering Agility. This podcast is part of a series, so make sure to follow us on all the platforms that we provide. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Google Podcasts, you name it. Make sure to go to the website of agilitymasters.com to subscribe to the newsletter in order to stay up to date on the latest information. Check out the show notes. And how you can engage with our guests and myself to provide feedback, ask questions, um, more general inquiries, whatever. I would love to hear from you. Next week, we have another amazing episode lined up, so make sure to tune in again. Until then,